What's up? <laughs> All right, my name is Ashley, and I'm going to get us started tonight by reading our teaching text found in Matthew chapter 16, starting with verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. Let's go. Everybody say thank you, Ashley. Hey, we made it, everybody. Three-week break over. Somebody say praise God. Is anybody excited to be at New Song Students tonight? Come on. That worship was so awesome. Maddie, team, thank you so much for leading us in worship. Okay, you might have noticed there's, there's some new changes taking place in New Song Students. Um, it's a new year, 2024. Who's ready? Let's go. It's going to be an amazing year. I'm so excited for what the Lord has in store. And um, we've got a couple changes that we have added and made to our service flow. Some obvious changes that you just saw. And I want to talk about them really quickly, give you the heart behind why we're making some of these awesome little changes um, and how I believe it's going to help us enter into some new territory that God has for us in 2024. How many of you know it's not good to do the same thing forever? It's good to change some things up. And so that's what we're doing. So there's three things, three major things that we are changing in our service flow. I want to give you each one of those things and our heart for it. And then we'll jump back into that awesome scripture that Ashley opened up with. Sound good, New Song students? All right, first thing is this. First major change in 2024 is that, now get ready for this one, y'all. There will no longer be pizza at New Song students. I know. Now, yep, now it's Chick-fil-A. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That, that would be awesome. But no, this is not a drill. This is for real life. Somebody say for real life. This is for real life. There will be no longer pizza at New Song Students on Wednesday nights for the rest of forever. Now, please hear me. Please lean in with me, New Song Students. I know I'm really giving you some great news on the first service back, but lean in with me. I get it. I get it. It's a little bit of a bummer, probably for you. Maybe somebody in this room is like, man, that was kind of awesome having Domino's every week. It's probably going to be a bummer for some of your parents who now have to think about feeding you 
before service. I get it. But there are a few reasons why we have pulled the plug on pizza this year. First off, and I'm just going to be completely transparent with you as your pastor. Is that cool if we do this for a second? Just a little family meeting. For the first first reason why we, we did this is because it's actually going to be a really good step for us as a ministry financially. Now, I think that sometimes we can show up to a church service and um, we can forget like all of the things that go on behind the scenes for everything that you see to take place every single Wednesday. Like many of us, we just show up on a Wednesday night and like warm pizza is just there for us. And we come into worship and the worship team just sounds amazing all the time. And you get to hear awesome words every single Wednesday. And we don't even think about some of the time and the sacrifice and the money and, and just the, the thought that has gone into everything that we are so blessed to be a part of. And the unfortunate reality in the world that we live in is you have to pay for things, right? It's kind of lame. You have to pay for things like pizza. But we don't have like the angel, um, the archangel Michael, like delivering our pizza every single week for free. Like we actually have to pay for that as a church. And we go to an amazing, tithing, generous church that has made it possible for us to be able to enjoy pizza for the last six years. How amazing is that? We've been providing you guys free pizza for six years now. That is all because of the the faithfulness of our church and praise God for that. Like what a gift, right, New Song students? What a gift that we got to be a part of that. But the reality is every single year, our ministry has grown and so has our pizza order. Every single year, it's gotten a little bit bigger and a little more expensive, and we as a church are limited. And the reality is if we continue to grow as we have, which is always the hope to get more people into the house of God ministering to the Lord, if that's our hope, hope, then at some point, the the pizza was going to have to end, and so we just decided to pull the plug this year. So I hope you can understand that. But the good news is this. Check this out. The good news is that this is money that actually opens up for our budget. We have a budget at New Song Students. I do budget stuff. I don't know if you know that, but we we do finances here. And because we are taking this big reoccurring budget that takes place every single week for pizza, we're now able to take some of that money and be able to do things that, I don't know about you, but I would say are a little bit more important than pizza, like camp, right? I don't know about you, but if somebody was like, hey, you can have pizza every Wednesday for the rest of the year or camp, I'm choosing camp every single time, right? Because the reality is things like camp are really expensive to put on as a church. It's not, a, it's not just an easy thing that we get to do. There is a lot of time and energy and sacrifice that goes into stuff like that. And so because of this opening up, because of taking out pizza, we are now able to continue to do things like host Maranatha, Praise God. We are still going to get to do camp this summer. So that's our heart behind the pizza. And finally, I I was a little torn on saying this, but I'm just going to say it anyway just to make somebody feel bad. But I think it's good to take this out because now we know if you stop coming to New Song Students, we know why you were coming in the first place. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right, next thing is this. Hey, I'm just being real, y'all. Okay, second major change is this. Um, we added announcement videos. I know you saw that video, awesome video of Molly in, where's Lisa? Where's Lisa at? Lisa, you're so good at announcement videos. Anyway, um, we moved announcements to a video 
and we put it in the middle of service. The reason why we're doing that is because we believe in the power of small groups here at New Song Students. And we want as much time for you guys in small groups as possible to be able to digest the words that you're getting from this platform. And so in order to do that, um, our announcements towards the end, let's be honest, y'all weren't listening to them. We were having altar ministry. It was kind of crazy, stuff is going on, and then we're throwing more information on you. It wasn't a good thing. So we have moved it to the middle of service to shorten our overall service. Does that make sense? That's a little change. And then finally, number three, you may have noticed our lovely leader, Ashley, up here. Make some noise for Ashley. Um, She came up and we are implementing this new thing that we're gonna be calling the teaching text. Somebody say teaching text. Um, We are gonna be doing this each week. We are going to be kicking off every single message with what every single message should always be starting off with, which is what? Scripture. That's right. And so what we're going to be doing from here on out, every single message is going to start off with somebody. And when I mean somebody, I mean any leader or any student who wants to be a part of this is going to get to come up and we're going to kick off the message with the teaching text. Now, this is not going to be the only scripture in the message. Praise God. Jinx. It's not going to be the only scripture, but what it's going to be is it's going to be the main passage of scripture that we're going to be diving into that night. And um, I've actually been doing this every single message with you guys. I always read the big portion of scripture first, but now we're just going to put it at the very front of the message and let anybody who wants to do it be a part of that. Because how many of you know what we are doing right now, being in the word of God and honoring God's word, this is not just something that pastors do and people in ministry, but this is a communal thing that we're doing. It's really a beautiful thing. And so we wanted to invite everybody to be a part of that. And so if this is something you wanna be a part of, if you wanna be a part of the teaching text team tonight or any night for the rest of the year, just come say hi to me, let me or Molly or one of your leaders know. And what we'll do is we'll take all of your names, we'll put them in a bucket, and then every week we'll just draw a name. And if it's you, you get to read the teaching text that week. All right? Praise God, right? It's gonna be amazing. And we're gonna get a chance to honor the word of God. This is something we've been talking about over and over and over again recently, right? So many of us know how to honor that time of worship so well. But man, sometimes in the message, it's easy to to, to check out and get distracted. And so we're gonna just through this, be taking a moment to put the word of God at the forefront of our minds and then get into the word. And plus the best thing about this is once I start coming up to preach, I have to do zero announcements and we can just get straight into the message. I wish I could have done that tonight, but it's the first service of the year. So I had to bring you all up to speed. Last announcement, and then we're finally getting to get in the word. Somebody say last announcement. Uh, we do a, um, a vision shirt every single year, and we've got our vision shirt live right now. It's on pre-order, available for you. The link is in our Instagram bio. So go onto our Instagram bio, click the link, pre-order your shirt. We are only getting shirts that were ordered. No extras. Somebody say, no extras. So if you want a 2024 vision shirt, pre-order it tonight. That link closes next Wednesday. Sound good, New Song students? Sound good, new song students? All right, sweet. Let's get into this word. Y'all ready? Get your notes out, get your journal, your Bible. I'm excited to kick off this new vision series. Something that the Lord does with me all the time, he's gonna do it with you, um, is he is going to confirm things that he's speaking to you. Has this ever happened to you before? Where the The Lord confirms something that he's speaking to you. 
This happens to me all the time and I'm so thankful for it because to be honest, sometimes when I'm walking with the Lord, I begin to doubt, was that really God that I heard? I'm not sure, but then the Lord is so faithful to like confirm it with like something somebody says to me or I hear it through a message or I see it out in public and it's like, praise God, the Lord was speaking to me. Has that ever happened to anybody before where the Lord confirms something to you? Well, he does this with me every single year when we start getting close to our vision series. So last fall, at the end of October, early November, I started praying about where the Lord wanted to take us in 2024. He brought me straight to Matthew chapter six and highlighted a phrase to me, you've seen it all over the place recently, as it is in heaven. Somebody say, as it is in heaven. This is the phrase that he highlighted to me and that was all I got. Like I didn't get any vision behind it, no like messages, I was, that was it, as it is in heaven. And I was like, okay. So I told three people, I told Haley, my wife, I told Molly and Maddie, that was it. The only three people that knew our vision series were those three people and myself. I started getting the series ready, making the artwork, getting excited about it. And then in December, uh, our pastor, uh, uh, worship pastor Maddie, she sent me an Instagram message and this was crazy. She sent me a message and it was of North Church's, North Students Instagram account. And it was their pastor, Pastor Sawyer Wilson's, who I'm sure is my long lost brother. Um, we haven't figured out, we haven't done the ancestry.com thing yet, but we're probably related somehow. But in this post, it was Pastor Sawyer revealing to North students what their vision statement for 2024 was. Can you guess what it is? As it is in heaven. And I saw that, y'all, and I was like, no way, Lord. That is so crazy. Now, somebody in like the world, or, or if you have a bad view of church, you might see that and be like, that's kind of awkward to have the same vision statement as the youth group down the street. But dude, I saw this and I was like, the Lord is unifying his church. And the pastors are hearing the Holy Spirit, praise God. And so I got to email, I got to email Sawyer and we just got to connect for a moment and be like, thank you, Lord, for speaking to us the same vision of the house that we are two ministries and, and, and two different places in Edmond that are coming under the same vision of the Lord. I just thought that was so cool. And um, what I love about that is we are not competing with North students. Like we are on the same team as them. And um, we are on the same mission of seeing everything in our, in our region on earth as it is in heaven. And so that was a cool confirmation for me. But then even this message tonight, when I was getting into um, the specific topic what I wanted to talk about tonight, the Lord was confirming it so much, just even with the way I was wording how we were gonna change um, some of our new service flow and even with the, the worship tonight, some of that new song that we sang, Pure, totally what I'm gonna be talking about tonight. And um, I didn't tell Maddie any of that. So Maddie's here in the Holy Spirit as well. Praise the Lord. But I keep saying praise God tonight, but praise the Lord. <laughs> so what I wanna talk about tonight is um, something that I think we're starting to see in our, in our students' ministry. I'm definitely starting to continue to see it in my life. And it's this pattern of discipleship that has to happen in every single one of us. You know, the longer New Song students exist, the more it has become about Jesus and less about New Song students. Like six years ago when we started New Song students, 
We said it was about Jesus. And of course, we're a church. It's about Jesus. But we were also, let's be honest, we were trying to build a name for New Song students. We were trying to make this place the place to be, trying to get people to want to come here. And what we were doing unintentionally was building a name for New Song, not for Christ. But the longer New Song students has gone, the longer or the, the more focused our vision has been. And it has gone less on building New Song students a name and more on building up Jesus a name. And this is the pattern of discipleship that has to take place in every single one of us. The longer we become Christians, the more our posture should be less of me, more of you, Jesus. Less of me, more of you. Kind of like John the Baptist said, what did he say? I must decrease so that he will increase. And so this is what I wanna talk about tonight. I wanna talk about dying to self. Fun topic tonight, first message of the season, first message of the year, dying to self. And I wanna pose to you the question tonight. This is the title of my message and then we'll pray. What needs to die? What needs to die? Let's pray. I got no time. Let's go. Father, I thank you so much for bringing us back in your house. Thank you, Lord, so much for New Song students for giving us this place, Lord, we can, where we can grow in our faith, Lord. I look at every single student in this room and I see students being transformed by the power of your word, transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not an event, not a pastor, not a friend, but by you, Jesus. And we just declare and we say, that's our posture tonight. We sang it in worship. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's always been about you. And I pray that you would help every student this year in 2024 to, to make that their heart cry. Lord, it's all about you. Less of me, more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody say amen. All right, if you guys wanna turn with me over to Matthew chapter six, really quickly, we're gonna go into the context of the Lord's prayer, which is where as it is in heaven comes from. Now, the Lord's prayer shows up twice in scripture. It's once in Matthew and it's also in Luke. Now, when it shows up in Luke, it shows up because the disciples ask Jesus this famous question, teach us to pray. You've heard that before, right? They see the way Jesus prays. And what happened is the disciples realized that the way Jesus prayed was not the way they prayed. And it challenged them. Have you ever known somebody in the church or a fellow believer that you looked at and the way they prayed, the way they talked about the Lord, the way they were excited about Jesus challenged you in a good way? and you see the way they love Jesus, and you're like, I don't love Jesus like that, but I want to. Has that ever happened to you before? This is exactly what's taking place with the disciples. They see the way Jesus prays, and they see that he's not praying because he has to, but because he wants to. He's not praying all of the time because that's the good Jewish thing to do. He's praying all the time for different reasons that they are unaware of. And so they ask Jesus, how, how do you pray like that? Like, where did you get this kind of prayer life? And Jesus reveals to them the perfect prayer model, the Lord's prayer. And I wanna read this to you and we're gonna dive into it. Matthew chapter six, verse nine, it says this. Jesus says, pray then like this, our father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We know this one, football teams say it before the game. You know, I don't know why, has nothing to do with football, but 
I wanna break this prayer down for you really quickly before we get into the vision of this year, the, the main vision of as it is in heaven. When I see this prayer, I think it's worth noting that I believe Jesus gives us this prayer in order of importance. Are you following me? So he is not giving us this prayer in random sequence. Like it's not a random order. Everything is in order from most important to not least important, but less important. Are you following me? Most important to less important. So look at this. What is the first thing that Jesus lets us know about prayer? He says, our father. And that phrase is important because it lets us know that prayer fundamentally is about being with a God who identifies as a father. That's a big deal. Prayer, first and foremost, is communion between God and his children. That's what prayer is. It's not work. It's not begging. It's not asking for things. Fundamentally, prayer is not the Christian thing to do that you should be doing more of. Prayer is being with your father. It's relational. Prayer is foundationally, fundamentally relational. That's the most important part. Then he moves into the next phrase, which is this, hallowed be your name or holy is your name. Now, this is, what's, this is what happens in prayer. When we start off in prayer with that intimate, this is about relationship, then it's naturally gonna move into this place where we are finding ourselves in awe and wonder of who God is. When you love God for the relationship and not because of what he can give you, you start to see how good, how great, how majestic, how amazing God is. God gets magnified. We say this all the time at New Song, magnify the Lord, Right? And when we say that, we're not saying that God gets bigger to you. We're saying that your understanding of him becomes more clear. It becomes more right. And this happens in order after relationship. The next thing that Jesus leads us to is the work of prayer. Now, we typically think of prayer as the work. Like, that's, the, that's what it's about. But that's the third step in Jesus' prayer model. It's the work of prayer where we focus on Jesus' will and his kingdom literally coming down on earth as it is in heaven. So this is where we get into the part of prayer where we are asking the Lord to change things in our world, to go into all the world and to fill the earth, just like we've been talking about a lot in New Song on the weekends. And the final portion of prayer is the part that has to do with us. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us, take care of my needs, deliver me, you know, the whole shebang. It's all about us at the end. Now remember, the order of the Lord's prayer was not random. It's important to recognize the order was what Jesus wanted us to live our prayer lives out of. And if you're going to order your priorities um, in the right way that Jesus laid out, you will become a person of prayer. But it is going to be hard to be a person of prayer if the order of importance is out of whack. See, Jesus didn't start off with the Lord's prayer with our needs because if that was fundamentally what prayer was about, then we would only be about prayer when we need something. And we wouldn't be about prayer when we don't need anything. Now there's two things that are really wrong with this. The first thing is that this makes prayer about what you can get from God. And let me just be completely real with you as your pastor. Sometimes you will be in prayer and you will not get what you wanted. So if you don't get what you want from prayer, does that make that prayer time unsuccessful? It does if your prayer, if your version of prayer is getting from God what you need. 
and what you want. If that's what your fundamental version of prayer is, then if you don't get what you wanted or what you need, then that prayer time was unsuccessful. But if your version of prayer is priority, relationship, then you don't have to get anything from God as long as you got him. So this is why Jesus starts off with the priority of relationship. The second reason why this is bad if our, if our order is out of whack is because we really need the Lord. We really need the Lord more than we think. Owen Carr says this, I love this. A day without prayer is a boast against God. A day without prayer is a boast against God. And a day without prayer says, I don't need you, Lord, when we really do need the Lord so desperately. So Jesus didn't start off this prayer either with the work. He didn't start off with your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because if that was the primary function of prayer, then prayer would be fundamentally your job. It would be your responsibility. It would be the next thing on your to-do list to do. We would just be another pawn in God's big world. Students, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, this perfect prayer model that starts with relationship. And the flow is important. It's important. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he gave us this perfect prayer order. He knew what he was doing when he said that prayer starts with communion with God. It moves into wonder. It pushes us to fill the earth with God's best, and it ends with our needs being met. I'll say that one more time. The Lord's prayer starts with communion or relationship with God. It leads to wonder pushes us to want to fill the earth with God's best, and then it ends with our needs being met. Thank you, Jesus. It kind of reminds me of a prayer that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 6, the same passage, but just a little bit further down. He says, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them, but seek first. Somebody say, seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. Now, what Jesus is saying here, we have to be careful with how we read this verse, all things will be added to you. What he's saying here is he's not acting like one of those really annoying ads that you get on YouTube, where maybe you've gotten one of these before, where there's this young guy and he's standing in front of his Ferrari and he's like, hey, click the link below to follow my 10 easy steps that I practice to get this Ferrari. Like, that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying, oh, you want everything? Seek first my kingdom, and then you can get everything. That's not what Jesus is inviting us into. And unfortunately, this is what the church has communicated to the modern day believer. We've communicated that our focus shouldn't be less of me, more of you, Jesus. It should be, this is what people have fallen into, more of me through you, Jesus. You are the outlet to more of me. But the building up of ourselves, the focus of ourselves, for some of us in this room, the worship of ourselves is the very thing that I wanna talk about tonight. It halts kingdom growth in this earth, completely stops kingdom down uh, on earth as it is in heaven, completely halts that. Now we go to a church, I'm thankful that we go to a church that wants to make an impact, not just in the people in this room, but in our region. And I know that we're filled with a lot of students in this room tonight who want to see their schools, their teams, their friend groups on earth as it is in heaven. You guys want to make a difference in this world. We're not playing church here in New Song Students. We're not just here because this is like our club. We are on mission, right? We're on mission. 
And just like in the series we've been on on the weekends, we're called to go into all the world to fill the earth, which lines up perfectly with our series tonight. We're called to expand God's kingdom into all of the earth with God's resurrection power. And um, we serve a God who has resurrection power. But there are things that we can carry in our heart and withhold from the Lord that will absolutely stop resurrection power from, from flowing through us. And that's what I wanna talk about tonight. I wanna talk about what halts on earth as it is in heaven. What, what keeps that from taking place? So if you're taking notes, write this down. What halts resurrection power? I'm gonna give them both to you and then we'll break them down. Number one is this, an unaware heart. And number two, an unwilling heart. An unaware heart and an unwilling heart. So let's look first at the unaware heart. Somebody say unaware. Let's look at the first one. We're gonna go back to that passage that Ashley opened up with in Matthew chapter 16. This is a wild passage where Jesus calls Peter Satan. Can you imagine if Jesus looked at you and said, you're Satan? That would be really scary. I would be super freaked out. <laughs> look at what happens here. Look, let's get into this. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer. So Jesus is starting to get real with his disciples about the sole purpose of why he came on this earth, and that was that he was to die on the cross. Peter hears this, and he does not like what Jesus is saying. Look at this. He says that I must suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised, resurrection life. But look at this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. You don't have to die. You're the Messiah. But he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Whew. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Peter was unaware, y'all. <laughs> Peter did not know. He was a little naive. Peter was not thinking about the deeper spiritual realities in play. He was uh, not thinking about these deeper truths. He was completely oblivious to why Jesus actually came. And it led him to attempt to keep Jesus from dying. Now, this sounds kind of random, but it's extremely important that we recognize this. Peter hears Jesus talking about how he has to die, and he starts to say, come on, Jesus. You're the Messiah we've been waiting for. You don't have to die. You're supposed to actually take over this kingdom in Rome and rule this place. You don't have to die. Don't go to the cross. That's hogwash, Jesus. But Jesus hears these words, and he doesn't just correct Peter. He rebukes Peter and identifies him as Satan. Why does he do this? It's kind of harsh. David Guzik says this, Jesus exposed how Peter came into this satanic way of thinking. That's pretty harsh. Satanic way of thinking. He didn't make a deliberate choice to reject God and embrace Satan. He simply let his mind settle. Please remember that. He simply let his mind settle on the things of men instead of on the things of God. And look at this, Satan took advantage of it. So why did, why did Jesus go so hard on Peter by calling him Satan? Well, it's because the words that were coming out of Peter's mouth sounded a lot more like the lies of Satan than the voice of Peter. 
What did he say? Let's, let's think about what he said. He said, far be it from you, Lord. This isn't gonna happen to you. You don't need to die. You don't have to go to the cross. Okay, so remember that. That's what Peter says. Let's go back all the way to the garden. What did Adam and Eve hear from the serpent? Did God really say that you were gonna die if you ate that fruit? Like, it's not that big of a deal. You're not really gonna die. Just settle, take the fruit. What did Jesus hear from the enemy in the wilderness? If you really are the son of God, then you don't need to go to the cross to get the world. If you'll just settle and bow down to me, I'll give you everything without the cost of death. Are you following me tonight, New Song students? This is why Jesus addressed Peter as Satan. It's because Peter's heart was unaware and Satan took advantage of it. Peter was unaware of a lot of things. He was unaware of the cost of sin. He was unaware of the need for Jesus's sacrificial death. He was unaware of the beautiful gift of resurrection life that was gonna come after Jesus's death on that cross. And because he was unaware of all of those things, he settled for lesser things and the enemy came in and took advantage of Peter's heart. And this is a tale as old as time, New Song students. The enemy has been doing this with God's children since the very beginning of time. You know how the enemy can keep God's people from filling the whole earth with God's kingdom? By doing two things. By getting you to believe that sin isn't that bad and that God's kingdom isn't that good. And I, I need to say that again. It's impossible to see this life on earth as it is in heaven when we believe that sin isn't that bad and God's kingdom isn't that good. We settle. When our heart is unaware of how bad sin really is for us and how much better God's kingdom is, you know what we end up doing? We end up settling for lesser things and the enemy comes in and he takes advantage of our hearts. Are you following me, New Song students? This is what takes place. We see things like the sin in our heart and it starts to not sting as much as it did the first time we committed that sin. And our heart begins to settle and we say, ah, it's not that bad, I've gotten used to this. We start to see the brokenness and the sin in this world and we begin to settle. We can't even picture it being different because we've settled that this is just how things always are. I can't even picture a better world than this. Some of us see our friends and our peers and our, maybe even our family members who are walking, they have no relationship with the Lord and we settle in our view of them. What I mean by this is we think, I mean, I know in my head, I know theologically they need the Lord, but they look like they're doing okay. So there's no urgency to us. There's no urgency to wanna help them and to give them the gospel because we've settled because we don't really think God's kingdom is that much better than what they're living in right now. Are you following me? But church, we desperately need God's awareness. We desperately need an awareness of sin and how much better God's kingdom is. We will never partner with God to fill the earth if we are unaware of the depth and the nature and the cost and the damage that sin is doing to our hearts. We'll just settle in our sin because we don't really think it's that bad. And in the same way, we need God to not just give us an awareness of our sin, but we need God to give us an awareness of the beauty of a kingdom being ruled by Jesus and no other person. It's so much better than anything this world has to offer. The Lord offers all of us 
rivers of living water to drink from. You can drink from rivers of living water where Jesus says, you'll never thirst again. You'll never have to settle for a lesser kingdom again, but some of us are still returning to some poisoned wells in our life. And we're saying that it's not that bad. It's kind of like how um, my wife, Haley, and I, when we go back to vacation, uh, not back to vacation, when we go on vacation to see our family in Dallas, um, I have a hard time drinking all of our family's coffee because I am a coffee snob. Um, For the last 10 years of my life, I have been doing three things. I have been going to the store and checking the bag for when it was roasted, because that's important. And I've been grinding my beans every single morning, besides the fast right now, please pray for me. And um, I've been checking the roast date, I've been grinding my own coffee, and I've been taking the extra 10 minutes it takes to make a pour over cup of coffee because I have tasted and seen that it is so much better than a K-cup can offer, right? It's so much better. It's, it's not even comparable. And so when I go home to my poor family who drink motor oil coffee from a K-cup, man, I'm not gonna lie, I really struggle. I really struggle to drink that cup of coffee not because, it's, not because it's really that bad, but because I have tasted like the pure version of coffee. I can't get it out of my head. I know what it tastes like. So it's really hard for me to settle in and drink something that I know there's better. In the same way, some of us in this room, we have no idea what we are missing from God's kingdom. Like some of you have, you haven't even tasted how much better the Lord is in his kingdom. And because of that, you are drinking from water that is poisoning you and you are pretending that it's good and you're like, man, it's not that bad if I just don't think about it too much. And you continue going back to these things that are hurting you. And I'm telling you, the Lord wants to wake you up to some better, fresh rivers of living water that's available to you. But when our heart is unaware like Peter, the enemy sees this and he comes and he takes advantage of it. And so I just wanna to pose to you a question tonight, New Song students, where has your heart been unaware like Peter's heart? Are there areas of sin in your life that, man, they used to sting, like it used to really hurt when you would commit that thing, you would do that thing, you would look at that thing, and now you're at this place where you are numb to it and it's just become a part of your life and you are unaware of the damage it's doing to your soul. It's not really that bad. Are you unaware of how much better God's kingdom is and you know, the people in your school, you see them and like, you know, they're, they're walking in death, but you've gotten so used to seeing death all around you, but you've given up on even trying to see God's kingdom come in your school. Man, we need God to give us a fresh awareness of his kingdom, New Song students. In fact, I wanna just like really quick, let's just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do that. Would you bow your heads and repeat after me? Say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes, open the eyes of my heart, reveal any area of my heart, that is unaware of the spiritual things. Open my eyes to the true cost of sin. Open my eyes to the true gift of your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Y'all good if we go a little bit further? Okay, let's go, let's go. So an an um, unaware heart, this is something that halts resurrection power from flowing through us. The second thing is this, an unwilling heart unwilling. Unwilling to do what exactly? Well, Jesus tells us exactly what. Matthew 16, verse 24, he says, then Jesus told his disciples, 
If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. For what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So what stops resurrection power? A heart that is unwilling to die to self. A heart that is not willing to die to self blocks resurrection power from flowing. If you're taking notes, write this down. Any part of our life that we are unwilling to die to is a part of resurrection life that is a part of our life that we halt resurrection life. Any part of our life that we are unwilling to die to is a part of our life that we halt God's resurrection life. We say, we can't, God, you can't touch that part of my life. And we live in a world that is so consumed by the idea of getting more over the period of life. We want to, over the period of our life, get more rich, more happy, more buff, right, dudes? Where you at? We want to get more buff, more swole. We want all these things. We want more. We want, our life in the modern world is about addition, but life in the kingdom is about subtraction. It's about subtraction. The longer I follow Jesus, the less and less and less I should need from this world. The invitation from Jesus and his discipleship is not to come and live, it's actually to come and die and then to live. And it's so much better to do it that way. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. It may be like the death of the first disciples who had to leave their home and work to follow him. Or it may be like the death of Luther who had to leave the monastery and go into the world, but it's the same death every time, death in Jesus Christ, the death of the old man at his call. Okay, now what do I mean by you have to die? I'm not talking physical. I'm not, yes, thank you, Jesus. I'm not saying that you have to die physically to be a disciple, although there are people, listen to me, there are people who have followed Jesus to the point that it did cost them their life, physically. And we call them martyrs. And we're going to get to meet them one day in heaven. And we are going to be in awe of the choice they made to choose Jesus despite death, right? But I'm not talking about dying physically. I'm talking about dying to the things that we hold so closely in life, the things that give us identity. In the same way that when we physically die, listen to me, you take absolutely nothing with you. When we die to Christ, when we become believers, we are called to take absolutely nothing with us. That doesn't mean that we can't have stuff. That doesn't mean we can't have hobbies or nice things. I have all of those things and I'm grateful. But it means that I have to be willing to lay down all of those things for the sake of following Christ. Henry Drunham said this, the entrance fee into the kingdom of heaven is nothing. The annual subscription fee is everything. That's beautiful. The way we get into the kingdom, you don't need anything. You don't need works. You don't need perfection. It's a free gift for you. But eventually, at some point or another, you know what Jesus is gonna ask from you? Everything. He will ask everything from you. And when I was in Bible college, um, I was in this group of kids. We really prided ourselves on being the hardcore kids in our, in our um, Christian Bible school. We thought we were really cool. But now that when I look back, I like think that we probably looked extremely cringy. 
Um, but we thought we were so tough. We were like all in hardcore bands and we wore hardcore t-shirts and we were like the cool Christian guys, had tattoos, all that stuff. But um, the longer I started hanging out with these friends, I started getting into um, collecting records. I used to collect records. I loved collecting records. I had all these really rare really rare hardcore albums that nobody cares about them, to be honest, but I thought they were so cool. And I had this big record collection and I had this big, vast library of music that I used to listen to. It was mostly secular music, a little bit of Christian, because let's be honest, I was like, the Christian hardcore bands are not as good as the secular bands. And, um, but I had this friend in Bible college, his name was Matt. And um, one day I heard that Matt sold every single one of his records and he said that he wasn't going to listen to secular music for the rest of his life. And I was like, Matt, chill out, bro. Like, that's a little religious. I was like, dude, you know how many amazing records you had? Like, you sold all of them? Are you kidding me? You don't need to sell all of your records to follow Jesus. What are you talking about, bro? It's not that bad. I saw this amazing act of like total surrender that my friend went through. And I literally thought that this guy was being religious. Now, I wanna be real. There is, a, there is such thing as a religious spirit. And what that means is we do outward works in order to look holy. This was not what my friend was doing. This was not religion. This was pure love. My friend gave up all of this music all of this stuff that actually he really cared about. I don't think it was an easy thing for him to do. But at some point in his life, I don't know how it happened, but the Lord asked him for it. And you know what he did? He gave it to him. He gave Jesus all the records. He gave Jesus all of the secular music. And he said, I'd rather have you than any of that stuff. And you know what? I thought that was honestly crazy. I looked at him and I kind of thought like Peter did. I thought like, dude, you don't really need to do all that. You don't really need to do all that to follow Jesus. And so what happened in my life is I had this big record collection that I really cared about and I had a lot of identity in and it followed me everywhere I lived. And at some point it was in my office in this church and it was right next to my desk and I had so much pride and joy in this little box full of really expensive records that I had collected. And one day I was writing a message and I looked at that box of records and I felt the Lord ask me, he was like, Jackson, would you give those up for me? would you give those up for me? Like, are those really adding to you in your identity? And at this point in my life, this is the progression of discipleship. At one point in my life, it, I wasn't at the point where I could give that up yet. But the longer I've followed Jesus, the less I care about things anymore. And I saw that box and I was like, yes, Lord, of course. I sold all my records. I gave them all away. I got rid of them because I found something so much better and I'm not saying that that was easy. And I'm not saying that when Jesus asks you to give something up, that it'll be easy for you. What I am saying though, is that he will ask from something. He will look at your life and he will say, hey, this thing in your life that you take a lot of identity in, this thing in your life that is taking up so much of your mental space, you can't even hear my voice. Would you give it to me? What are you gonna tell Jesus when he asks you for that thing? Will you be willing? Will you be willing to give it to him? If you're unwilling to go to that place, that's okay, but you need to understand that that halts resurrection life in that area of your life. If you can't give that thing up, it stops resurrection life. But the good news is this. I love this passage, or this, this quote from Ignatius. 
He says this, few souls understand what God can accomplish in them if they were to abandon themselves unreservedly to him and if they were to allow his grace to mold him accordingly. Translation, what does that mean? Ignatius is saying, you have no idea what you'll find on the other side of that death of self. See, you think that dying to some of these things in your life would be really hard, and sure, it would be hard, but you have no idea what kind of resurrection life that actually opens up for you to live in. And I just want to challenge us New Song students, in 2024, let's go deeper. Like, let's go deeper. Let's make our life with Jesus less about Jesus. What are you going to give me this year? What is this life with you going to offer to me? And Jesus, what can I give to you? What in my life can you take from me, Jesus? How can I share in your sufferings? Because when you do this, we unlock resurrection life in us. So I want to close with this. I want to invite the band to come up. I want to close with talking about death through the lens of Jesus. I know that's kind of morbid because let's be honest, death is scary if you don't know Jesus. If you don't know the Lord, if you don't know the work of the cross, death is an extremely terrifying thing to think about. But when you think about death through the lens of the cross, it's actually a beautiful thing. Because look at this, if you're taking notes, write this down. Death is the substance of love. Students, how do, we, how do we really know that God loves us? How do you know that God loves you? Is it because of the, the cliche phrase that we hear where people say God is love? Like, yes, that is true. He absolutely is love. But how do we know that he is love? We know from the most famous passage in all of the Bible, John three sixteen. What does it say? For God so loved. Now, when it says he so loved, that's not necessarily talking to, talking to us about the amount of love he had for us. It's saying he so loved that he was willing to pay the cost. God so loved that he was willing to die. You need to understand that love is not in the shape of a heart. It is in the shape of a cross. That's the substance of God's love for us. That, that, that passage in John 3, 16 doesn't say, for God so loves the world, like present tense. It says, for God so loved the world, past tense. The substance of the love of God for us is not necessarily found in the beautiful gifts that he gives us, although we're grateful for them. What made God's love real and tangible for us is because Jesus went to the cross. He died. That's why we know he loved. Not just because he taught good things and was a good example to us and healed people. He loves us and we know he loved us because he was willing to die. And in the same way for us, listen to me, New Song students, we cannot tell God that we love him and not die to anything. Jonathan Edwards says this, it's not by telling people about ourselves that we demonstrate our Christianity. Words are cheap. It's about costly, self-denying Christian practice that we show the world the reality of our faith. Students, have you ever loved Jesus by dying to something before? 
because I'm, I just wanna make us aware to the fact that if we love Christ with our words, but we have never died to a single thing in our life, the reality is we haven't necessarily gotten there yet. But Jesus invites us to die to some things in our life. I don't know what that is for you. And I'm actually not gonna give any examples because I don't know what they could be for you. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is downloading something to you by the spirit of revelation. But he's asking and inviting some of us to die to some things that are just, let's just be honest, they are lesser lovers in our life. They add nothing to our life. We think they make us who we are, but they seriously add nothing to us in the span of eternity. And the Lord wants to reveal some of these things to you. And you know what he's saying? Would you give that up to me? Would you lay it down? And here's the beautiful thing about death is death is not the end. We know this because of Jesus. Death is the door to life. Death is the door to life. And when we die to these things, we allow the resurrection power of Christ to transform us. When Jesus died on the cross, like he gave everything. He completely released total trust in his father resurrecting him. And he did that. And he got to experience this resurrection power of God. It's kind of like the song we were singing tonight. I was just thinking about this in worship that fragrance poured on the floor. Like our life is like that picture of a, of a, of a pot with fragrance in it. And if we were to live our life, our entire life, never breaking open that jar, we never get to the taste and smell and sense the goodness of God. We just end up living these like compartmentalized Christian walks in life. And Christ is, Christ is inviting us to live a life where we break open our lives. And when you break open a pot, like that's it. You're not putting the oil back in, it's gone. You're releasing it out into the world. It's all for Jesus. You can't take it back. It's not like I'll give it to you Jesus tonight, but I'm probably gonna pick it up later. Like we're breaking it, it's gone. We're not taking it back but you don't get to smell and taste and see that the Lord is good and, and, and experience his kingdom without some death to self. And so where is the Holy Spirit inviting you to die tonight? What area in your life are you trying to soak up and squeeze out life? And it's just really poisoning you to be honest. The Lord is inviting you to lay that down tonight. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? We're gonna respond to this word and I wanna invite the leaders to come down to the front. It's 2024, it's a new year. And we were praying about this in pre-service prayer. We were asking the Lord to take us into deeper waters. And I had no idea we were gonna be singing deep cries out, but we literally prayed that tonight in pre-service prayer. Jesus, take our students deeper in their faith, take us into deeper waters. And I'm telling you, there are things in your life holding you back that the Lord is inviting you to die to tonight. And if you're willing to lay those things down, you will be able to go into deeper waters with the Lord, but it's gonna cost you something. But we know from the testimony of the cross that cost is worth it. It's always worth it. If Jesus never went to the cross, if he was never willing to pay the cost, we would never get to experience the resurrection power of him in us but it was because he went to the cross and it was because he paid that price that we can walk in everything we get to walk in. And so tonight, what's the cost you're willing to pay for the Lord? What's that thing he's highlighting to you that he's whispering in your ear and you don't wanna hear it, but he's saying, would you give that up to me? Maybe it's that relationship you really wanted to work out. Maybe it's a, a future school that you really wanna go to and things aren't working out the way you thought. Maybe, 
I don't know what it is for you, but maybe it's a type of music like me that you really find a lot of identity into. But really, if you're honest with yourself, it's filth and it's poisoning your mind. And the Lord is asking you, would you give that up for me tonight? Whatever that is, we're gonna respond. And I'm gonna invite some of you to be bold and to lay those things down and to tell a leader. And we're just gonna ask that the Lord's resurrection power would just give you a a taste of the Lord's kingdom tonight. So guys, would you stand up with me? Father, we love you. We thank you for this new year as it is in heaven. And Lord, we sense that you are calling us into deeper waters and we don't wanna end 2024 the same place in discipleship that we started this year. We wanna go deeper in your love. We wanna end this year saying, look at how far the Lord has taken me. And God, we recognize that that is going to cost us something just like it cost you something. And so Father, help us to pick up our cross tonight. I pray that you would draw every single student to the altar who needs to put something so that they can see the resurrection power of Christ in them. In Jesus' name.